0: okay okay you guys ready should we cast a little pod tonight should we get into this right on just had the most killer day of playing ultimate frisbee all day and i thought fuck it let's record an episode honestly i was feeling it let's just cast some pod out there i know there's a lot of podcasts casting the shit out of their pods all over the place and i respect that but i think this one's really special i really do the first 128 episodes of this bullshit i was doing an impression of this moron named josh rosenberg please it just feels good to be my real self tonight episode 129 welcome in my name's Lance. I'm ready to kick it. We've got some killer topics tonight. I'm just going to jump right in. There's a coyote in Lafayette in the East Bay that has bitten five people. Okay, sorry about that, but let's start there. I'm going to make this quick.
1: I'm obsessed with coyotes. They are now in the suburbs. They look like dogs. Some people think they're dogs. Some people get too close. A story has surfaced. A coyote, the same coyote, has bitten about five different people in Lafayette. Okay, you read the story and you realize people aren't taking this guy seriously. The coyote wants a piece of them, and these people, they're not taking it seriously. If a coyote gets anywhere near me, I'm running full speed. These people were not running full speed. So this morning, I'm talking to my journalism students, and we talk about current events, What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? You know, a little warm-up intro into the class. Let's look over some leads. Let's check over some local stories. Think about some good sources for our stories. And I just said, has anybody heard about this story out of Lafayette in the East Bay where a coyote on the loose has bitten five different people, and now they're looking for the coyote? There's a hunt for this coyote because they got to track him down and euthanize him first, see if he has rabies, and then euthanize him. And I had one student say, this is the honest truth. Man, you do not want to get too close to coyotes. And I thought to myself, what the fuck does that mean? I said to this kid, what do you mean? What do you know? What have you heard? And he said, I've been bitten by a coyote. And now all the heads in the Zoom boxes, look at his Zoom box. Like it's the opening credits to the Brady Bunch. Where all the heads in the Zoom boxes during fifth period journalism, look at this kid. And I go, okay, tell the story. And he said, yeah, when I was in middle school, there were a couple of coyotes that came into our yard and I went outside and tried to pet them. And I was thinking, what are you saying right now? You've been bitten by a coyote. And then one of the other funny kids was like, probably bit him in the balls. Remember, this is high school. One of the other students was like, just probably bit him in the balls. And I was like, that's pretty good. You know, if we're going to have a little zinger. In the old remote learning classroom. That's not a bad line, but I guess he was kind of hurt, but not badly hurt. And it changed everything in my mind. Everybody survives coyote attacks. The newspaper right now and the local news is making it sound like great white shark attacks in the ocean. But everybody's fine. If you just keep reading the story, even a three-year-old girl got bit by a coyote. And guess what? She's fine. There was a guy in front of a little mini-mart. He was just throwing something away in a trash can. Coyote came out, bit him. And the guy was fine. What am I so scared of? What am I so scared of? I guess a lot of things. I guess a lot of things. And I brought this up with my wife. Not that I'm so fearful of a bunch of shit, but I do complain about a lot of body ailments. And sometimes I have enough self-awareness to actually hear what's coming out of my mouth. Just last week alone. Just last week alone. Back pain. Tooth pain. My ears were throbbing. Because I was wearing earbuds way too much. I'm done with the buds. And my eyes were sore. I thought my pterygium was growing back. You're like, what's a pterygium? I'm acting like you should just know what a pterygium is. It starts with the letter P. You didn't think that was coming. Now Google it. Pterygium. Starts with a P. P-T-E-R-I-G-E-U-M. I had a pterygium removed from my eyeball about 15 years ago, and I think it's coming back. And we're just having breakfast one morning. Just, you know, coffee and eggs. And I start to talk about all this. And then I zoomed out and I said, oh my God, am I annoying? And she said, no, I love you. This is just who you are. And I had that moment where I'm like, I'm just telling you all about my body ailments, my health concerns. You know, here we are, just a typical morning. I'm like... Do you deal with this a lot? And she's like, it's fine. It's who you are. Love you. We're good. I was like, wow. I'm starting to wonder, am I annoying? But one of them is legit. And I'm just going to go one-on-one press conference for this. Sir, did you crack a tooth while eating a casserole that had broken remnants of a ceramic pot in the food you were eating? Yes. And sir, did it hurt? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And then what happened? Well, after a few months, I saw a dentist. Okay, and what did the dentist say? He said I had a cracked tooth and I would need to put a crown on that tooth. Okay, and did that solve everything? Is the tooth okay? No. The pain didn't go away. They put a crown on a tooth that still had a damaged nerve. So then I went to an endodontist and I learned a word, endodontics. And these are the root canal specialists. And I just saw one today. And the guy looked at x-rays and the guy looked at my mouth and he did a bunch of tests and he went, oh yeah, you need an immediate root canal. I've never had a root canal. Okay. And welcome back to Here We Go, episode 129, where I tell you about my health ailments and then wonder, am I annoying? But hey, you signed up for this. So on Monday at 1.30 p.m., I'm having my first root canal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So having a root canal? Killer. No, not killer, Lance. I'm having a root canal with one of the top endodontics. I just made that up. I don't even know if he's one of the top endodontics. E-N-D-O-N-T-I-C-S. Have you ever heard of this? It's in the world of dentistry. He's an endodontist, and he works in endodontics. And he looked at my mouth and said, whoa, whoa, okay. Uh, Yeah, let's go tackle that nerve. So I've been chewing on the right side of my mouth for about a month and a half now. Oh, what's that? What's that? I'm listening. Oh, you don't give a shit? Move on? Okay. Okay. I have to be very honest. Sometimes I wonder if this neurosis is just part of being Jewish. I'm not saying all Jews complain. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying all Jews are complainers, but we're kind of honest when we articulate what's wrong. We don't keep things all bottled up. And I'm drawing from the John Mulaney bit. John Mulaney, one of my favorite comedians. He said, I'm done dating Gentiles, non-Jewish girls. He says, I like Jewish girls because they tell you exactly what's on their mind at all times. My back hurts. I hate my parents. I'm fighting with my best friend. He goes, I walk into our house. I know immediately what's going on. And he did an impression of what it was like to date a non-Jewish girl. He would walk into his house and she'd be staring out of the window. And he'd say, hey, what's going on? And she would say, "Huh? wouldn't you like to know? And you have to play that game of, okay, how do I read your energy? How do I read your mood? This happens in a lot of relationships where communication just goes silent and you got to try to read one another and then you end up misinterpreting anything and everything. I had a girlfriend in 1999 and she would get upset and I wouldn't know why and I couldn't read her at all and she would never share what was in her mind. Never communicated what she was upset about. It was like a game show. Can you guess? What pissed her off? And the answer was always, no, I really don't know. What changed her mood? It's the exact opposite with me. I'm always going to let you know. I don't play the old I'm bottled up with emotions game. Hey, everybody, gather around. I'm so emo and sullen right now. Can you guess that I'm down in the dumps? No, I just tell you. My tooth hurts. My back hurts. I'm feeling stressed about so. It's just like really blatant the way I'm narrating all of this bullshit. And my wife just says, that's fine that's good. Hey, that's you. You do you. And it wasn't like I was truly just wondering, am I annoying? But I was wondering, is this because I'm Jewish? And then I thought about the Dave Chappelle bit. Dave Chappelle had a great bit about fried chicken. He said, all my life, I just enjoyed the taste of fried chicken. And then someone once made a racial slur in my direction about how black people like fried chicken. And he goes, in that moment, I didn't realize that maybe I was predisposed to enjoy fried chicken. And look, these are comedians. Dave Chappelle, John Mullaney, but these bits are memorable where a lot of us want to resist profiling others and we want to resist stereotypes, but some of them we just fall into. Some of them you just got to wonder wait, is that true? Am I following in a predisposed path because of my culture, my ethnicity, my heritage, my religion? It's kind of fun to piece together the puzzle of your life. Am I this way because. Do I think this way because is my ancestry guiding me to have thoughts like this? We're so confused, aren't we? The human race. We're just so confused all the time. Wait, where do we come from? Where are we going? Why am I here? How does that work? Where did we find that out? Is there a higher power, a lower power? What's that philosophy? I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Just so much confusion. And if someone puts an umbrella generalization over your people, you're not going to forget that. I mean, you'll probably resist and go, no, I'm an individual. You can't paint a picture of a whole group of people to be a certain way. True. I mean, I can agree with that, but I know most people hear stereotypes and they don't forget them. Stereotypes don't just go in one ear and out the other. Stereotypes go in one ear and then dance around in your head for a lifetime. Beep, 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 dee. That'd be a perfect time to go to break if I had any endorsements or sponsorships, but I don't. So I'm just going to go on to the next topic. That's dancing around in my mind, dance, 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 dance in my mind, mind, mind. This is a true story, story, story. This week was so wild. I almost feel like it was all a dream. All right. All right, Biggie. But this week, so connected to devices, either an iPhone in my hand, a Chromebook on my lap, They gave new iPads to all the teachers. I don't even know why. I texted a friend of mine who works at the high school. I go, why do we need these? They put new Samsung flat screens into all of our rooms. How many electronics do they want to inundate us with? This is not a joke. The school has issued me an HP laptop, a Google Chromebook, an Apple iPad, and now I have a Samsung 70-inch TV in my room that already has a TV. Folks, I'm not kidding. They just need us to be in the glow of a screen. I had a student write a letter to me a couple of years ago saying, I appreciate that you still use paper. And I thought he was being sarcastic, but he wasn't. He kind of liked that. I still do this whole old school pen paper thing. I guess I won't be doing that this year when we go back to campus. But this week I had all the devices around me. So email alerts, email alerts, email alerts. And we just put our daughter down for a nap. Okay, and that's the moment where you're in your sweatpants Okay, and you finally exhale. If you have a kid that still naps, that's the moment where you get your sweatpants on and then you exhale for a moment. Try to reflect on the fast forward day you've been living. You go, am I hungry? Do I want to work out? Is it time for a meditation? You finally add a moment to yourself and then I see email pops up on the screen from one of the administrators in the district I work in and it said, urgent, 100 extra doses of the vaccine are at Terralinda High School's gymnasium right now. If you're a Kaiser member and you can make it to TL, 100 doses. I figured, well, I live close by, get in the car. And immediately, I was so confident that my wife and I were just going to jump in the car, I kind of forgot that we had a napping baby. So my wife has tears welling up in her eyes because she's pregnant, and it's been a struggle, it's been a stressful struggle to make the decision to get the vaccine. But all doctors and scientists recommend it. And it's the healthiest thing you can do as a pregnant woman. So I said, Yes, I'm all in. I'm all in. So I said, Let's go. You can do it. And she knew it's the right decision. But now it was put on coats, find any shoes, grab your keys, grab your wallet, and get the three year old out of the bed and into the car. This felt so historic. I said, We're getting the damn vaccine. Let's go almost being insensitive, like, let's go. I'm getting string cheese, fruit roll-ups, goldfish. I'm just going to throw all the snacks in the car like we're going to Tahoe or something. We're getting the vaccine. And I hear my wife, as I'm grabbing everything, I hear my wife go into our daughter's room, woke her up and said, hi, hi, we got to go. We got to go. Mommy and daddy have to go get shots. (laughs) That's got to be an alarming thing. To wake up to i don't care what age you are for a three-year-old to hear that mommy and daddy have to go get shots and you're coming and the three-year-old started to cry so hard she started to cry so hard why because she wanted a shot she kept saying that i want to get a shot too we had to explain to her no how much of this can you even understand we have a pandemic happening for the last year you haven't noticed any of it And now we're almost at the finish line. We're not there yet, but we're getting toward the finish line. And you got to get in the car and watch mommy and daddy get a shot in a gymnasium. So we did it. It was a miracle. We were one of the last families that were allowed in. They turned away so many people. A little guilt watching that. They turned away so many educators and just said, sorry, there's only a select amount of vaccines left. Pfizer, by the way, if you were wondering, Pfizer. And something about it not only felt surreal, but it felt historic in a way that if there was a black and white picture taken of me in the gym with all these nurses and medical professionals behind me, and they even had balloons in the gym spelling out V-A-C-C-I-N-E vaccine. Oh my God. So celebratory. And people were in a jovial mood. We're getting it. After all this bullshit, we're getting it. And I thought this will be in a textbook one day in 20 years if there's a photo of these big vaccine gatherings, lines wrapped around gymnasiums. And it's in black and white with a caption. In February of 2021, educators line up to get their vaccinations. And that'll just be a page of a textbook that collects dust one day. And 100 years from now, and 200 years from now, when people read about this blip, and that's all it's going to be is a blip. To us, it's so impactful. Oh my God, we're living through COVID-19. To anybody who reads about this in 50 to 100 years, it's just a blip. It's just maybe a few paragraphs with a photo. But I felt like I was living that historic photo. And I never feel that way. Because usually we just live our lives normally. Not like we're walking into a textbook or a documentary. But it just had that feel. That this is special. Be present. Be mindful. Stop thinking about what you're going to have for dinner later. I even had to tell my wife that. She was like, do we have enough noodles at the house? Do we still have chicken? I was like, look, no more. No more thoughts of dinner. We're receiving the COVID-19 vaccine that I fantasized about for a full year. Let's just be here. Oh, let's just be here. Speaking of photographs, everybody has a very weird relationship with photographs. Have you noticed that? Think about yourself right now. This will be a little guided adventure. Think about yourself right now. If you went in to your parents' old garage And you found some family albums or if you own some old family albums, what feelings would it evoke to just thumb through it and see yourself at age five, at age 10, at age 15? What feelings would come to the surface if you just looked at an album of yourself in high school? Intense ones is the answer, right? We forget so much of our lives. So if you go back and you take a look at a picture of yourself at age 11 at some family function and you look at the clothing, and you look at the mood of the photo, you look at the time, you look who's in it, guarantee it'll make you feel a certain way. For some people, it'll be joy. Oh, I love these people. Hey, look at my old friends and my old family together. How wonderful, and it'll just be happiness. That's fine. For some people, straight trauma. I mean, just straight misery. Some people will happily avoid looking at photos of themselves throughout their adolescent and teen years forever. There's just pain associated with it and if you had to have that moment if somebody gave you that assignment to just look at photos of yourself from ages 15 to 20 it'd be so tough for so many people i think people do have the ability to compartmentalize painful chapters of their lives and just move on to be resilient the human condition to be resilient and move on that is one of the superpowers we were wired with i firmly believe that when you hear about survivors of truly Awful things, whether it's abusive homes, Holocaust survivors, shipwrecks that people have survived, and they move on with their lives. I do think there's healing that can happen. How about war veterans who come home? I mean, sure, PTSD exists and it's real and it's tough, but I also see how many people just move on. How many people just keep going in life? Think about how many setbacks the average person has. Throughout a lifetime, how many like really brutal setbacks do people endure? And then at some point, it just becomes a memory. But photos, holy shit. Photos are just these still reminders. I guess I'm speaking for myself. Photos are hard. I don't totally know why. I mean, I guess I could break it down, but I go to my mom's house. She has a full wall of photo albums. And if I'm feeling brave, I go into one. It's just like, holy shit, it completely removes me from anything that's happening in that room. Like if my wife and daughter are in the room and I go to the wall of photo albums, forget it. I'm on a different planet. It just takes you back. That's what I'm asking you right now. If you're listening right now, what do you think your reaction would be if you saw a photo of yourself just candid at some function, at some park, at some beach, on vacation at age 16, 17? Would it be totally fine? Eh, totally fine. Eh, hey, who cares? Totally fine. Or would it alter your day in a way? Eh, I don't know. I also firmly believe that about 95% of photos that we take nowadays don't matter at all. We will never even go back to them. Right now, pick up your iPhone. Go back six months. Who gives a shit, right? Who cares about that picture of that steak next to a baked potato on a plate with asparagus. And that night you were like, oh, I got to take a picture of this. I made the best steak. Guess what? No one cares. Even you don't. I have like 3,000 photographs I've taken in the last three years. 5% of those. I truly believe 5% of those are memorable. Like photo-worthy, frame-worthy moments. 95% of it is just me being too close to a camera. Seriously, if you told me when I was younger that I would spend the rest of my life, when did I get an iPhone? 2,000, hmm, 10 I think 2010, maybe I got my first iPhone. So 11 years ago, as a 28-year-old. If you would have told me when I was a kid, when I'm 28, I will have a camera on me at all times. That would have sounded so weird. And it'll change your priorities about what is photograph worthy. It'll rewire your mindset into what needs to be photographed and captured. Every day I leave my home, I have a camera in my pocket. It's not just one of the functions on an iPhone. It's like the main function. We're all carrying around these cameras. And there's got to be such a shitty impact from that. The fact that we're going to be on so many hikes and beautiful outdoor moments in nature and just feel the need to take a picture of these views instead of be in the views. Be on the view. The hit show on ABC with Whoopi Goldberg. What if that was my point? And that's what I'm getting at. We should all be on The View. (laughs) Is that still a show? Holy shit. The View. Anything on a network in the morning, like ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, anything where it's just a group of people holding coffee mugs, talking, wearing suits and dresses, has got to be the fucking worst programming. Any morning talk show on a network? Oh, how unwatchable. And that's my point. We all need to be on the view. No, 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 that's not your point. That's not your point at all. All right, I got to bring this up. I feel the need to focus on the obscure celebrity deaths. Not the big ones. The big celebrity deaths you could talk about anywhere. You could hear about those anywhere. But occasionally, like when I heard Dick Callahan passed away, I was like, you got to talk about this. Well, there was another death that kind of shook me for a moment. And I'm not sure how many people know the name, but Doug Wilkerson passed away last week. And he was one of the greatest Chargers of all time. If you ever went to Qualcomm Stadium to see a Chargers home game in San Diego, his name was in the Ring of Honor. They had all these names on these banners surrounding the stadium. Doug Moosey Wilkerson. Moosey was his nickname. He was 73 years old. I didn't know he was sick, but I knew him. And I'll explain why in a moment. He was a former all-pro offensive lineman, like a beast on those great air Coryell teams. When Dan Fouts was just throwing for tons of yards and the team was having brutal losses, probably the most talent in the league. The Chargers have been able to say that a few times. Most talent on the league, but just... Heartbreaking moments that have ruined everything. But if you go back to the early 80s, those Chargers teams were stacked. And one of their stars was Doug Wilkerson. And I still believe 73 is young. And he had been in an Alzheimer's facility I read. I didn't know that. And whenever I see that, I wonder how much of that is connected to playing tackle football for your profession at the highest of levels. Like when you see someone in their 70s die in general... You could say, eh, it kind of feels young, at least to me. Maybe I'm wrong. But when you see a former NFL player died in their 70s, you don't even think twice about it. It's almost like, yeah, of course. I've heard a lot of NFL players say they understand the sacrifices they're making. They're going to really enjoy their 20s, maybe even their 30s. And they understand getting into your 60s is a bit of a long shot. If you have a long NFL career, getting into your 70s, I mean, good luck. The type of collisions these players are suffering from, not just the big ones, I mean, not just the big hits, but just, you know, in practice, helmet to helmet, collisions, helmet to helmet grazing, even just your typical practice. These guys are probably suffering little brain injuries and Moosey clearly was suffering toward the end, but I loved this guy. He was the sweetest man. And I have to be honest, I didn't know him when I met him. I was not a Chargers fan in the early 80s. I mean, I knew the big names like Fouts and Muncie, and Winslow and Joyner, but I didn't really know the name Doug Wilkerson. And when I first got my talk show on the Mighty 1090, the owner of the station, John Lynch Sr., who's the father of the Hall of Fame safety who played with the Buccaneers and the Broncos, John Lynch Jr., who's just a wonderful guy. John Lynch Jr. is one of the most genuinely cool, nice humans I've come across. Currently the Niners GM. Actually, but his dad owned the radio station and helped my career progress early. But he didn't really know the right fit, so they were always rotating co hosts. I had so many co hosts in my first few years on the radio. And one of their ideas was to bring in Doug Wilkerson for this show called The Tailgators or High Noon Headlines. I forget, but a couple times a week, Doug would come in, just talk football. And this is when the Chargers were rolling. I mean, this is when L.T., Ladanian Tomlinson, was just the greatest player in the league chargers were hot and doug would come in every week and we just glow talk chargers football you could talk chargers football for three hours with this guy go down memory lane talk about his teams talk about the league and you could tell he cared he wanted to get better on the air a lot of these former athletes are not egomaniacs when they get into a radio station they understand hey this is a craft i'd like to get much better at this i'd like to go into broadcasting so they tend to learn from us radio dorks And us radio dorks love having big time athletes in the studio because there's just a fun dynamic. So Doug Wilkerson, he'd come in two, three times a week and shoot the shit. And then we'd walk to our cars together and talk some more about life. And he was a philosophical man. He was a sweet man. And to connect this back to the Farewell to Muggsy episode, when my girlfriend that I got Muggsy with dumped me, sometimes I like the word dumped, I'll be honest. When she dumped me, I still had to go to work, just heartbroken. Like, wait, I have a beagle puppy and no more girlfriend now? And I have all the rent on the apartment? Okay, pick up the pieces of life. But I remember, immediately had to go into work. Had to go do a radio show at the height of the heartbreak. Like, just got dumped. And now you're live in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. Josh Rosenberg here on the Mighty 1090 with Doug Wilkerson in studio. You know, I was able to flip on the red light. I was able to get the job done to perform when needed had a good show with doug but when we would go to commercial break oh my god i became the saddest fool you've ever seen just sulking in my radio chair took my headphones off doug i'm not happy what's wrong doug i got dumped and we're back hey Big win for the Chargers as they went into Green Bay and took down the Packers by a score of 31-28, and we'll have the highlights after this. Doug, can you pass the Kleenex? It's been a really tough time, and Doug would listen to me, because he actually was curious. What's wrong? And I actually told him, hey, my girlfriend dumped me, and we walked to our cars. I'll never forget this night. Me and this giant former offensive lineman from the Chargers, still strong, into his 60s, just stood at our cars. And after he heard me discuss what it was like to get dumped, he told me about his life. How many women have come and gone? Heartbreak, cohabitation, divorce. I mean, he was so honest. And to talk to somebody with that much life experience about how it'll be fine. Don't worry. Might feel a little heavy right now, but don't worry. I feel like Doug Wilkerson was one of the few humans that knew how to talk to me. And he knew how to talk Chargers football. And he's a terrific person, and he'll be missed. I hadn't heard anything about this guy in so long, so to just read his obituary recently, I felt the need to bring him up. Good dude. Rest in peace, Moosey. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Episode 129. It's just about done, but my producer is telling me in my ear this is the part of the show where I plead with you to drop a rating or review on iTunes. Come on. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait right now and just do it. Because if I wrap up the show and you haven't done it, you'll never get to it. So I'll just wait right here. I'm with you. Uh Uh-huh. Five stars. Perfect. Okay, thank you. That's episode 129. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.